Welcome to the Butler Live Podcast. This is our second episode coming direct from Butler Automotive Group in Southern Oregon. And yes, we are talking about cars, trucks, and SUVs every chance we get. And thanks for tuning in today. Our podcast is featuring the some Q&A on the Bronco updates, the 2021 Ford Bronco, uh, as it makes its trek across the United States. Our demo will be here. We'll talk about that. And then we've got Joel Nickerson in from Butler Ford, our sales manager. And thrilled for you to be here. You can find us, butlerford.com. You can find us also email, butlerlive at butlerman.com. And I want to bring in Joel Nickerson. Joel, thank you so much for being here this morning. You bet, Craig. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Joel's uh, been working at Butler Ford's in 2003, took on the sales manager position about 12, 15 years ago. 2011. Yeah, yeah. So that's fantastic. Also, Aaron Nilsson is in with Creative Services from Butler Ford. Aaron, thanks for being in this way. Thanks for having me again. This is great. Fantastic. Always good. Well, this is, it's so time sensitive and so necessary with this 2021 Ford Bronco coming onto the scene and uh, there's been so many videos so much talk about it for months and months uh and the covid the pandemic has come and slapped everybody i mean it's a global problem it's manufacturing any business no business has been exempt from the effects of it and certainly ford has seen there especially with the manufacturing and bringing a brand new never before vehicle such as the 2021 Ford Bronco. Uh, Joel, we've got our demo. Our every de- There's a demo for every dealer coming across. It's been released. They started releasing Broncos June 15th, and ours is manufactured, coming across. It's now on the rail. It'll be uh, trucking all through this first part of July and uh, end of June and first part of July, and then arriving. We want our uh, Bronco order holders and our reservationists to get first crack at it. What are some of the concerns you've seen from our customers that are a little frazzled with the info out there, maybe some of the negative comments? What are you really seeing with that? Well, I, I think a lot of it is there's questions, you know, and let's step back and look at the process a little bit. You know, for the first time, Ford is doing a major launch of vehicles that are consumer facing. So while this product launch is new, to the consumer, to us as a dealer, we're accustomed to some of these setbacks that have people frustrated. And it's totally natural. Uh, one thing I want to make sure people are aware of as they're listening, I have two Broncos on reserve. I'm a consumer when it comes to this too. This is impacting me not only professionally, but personally. So I, I kind of got to double down on this. And I, I want to defend Ford a little bit. They were expecting a certain number of vehicles to be taken and ordered. That number, from what I understand, is about tripled. There's going to be some constraints. And it's fair that the consumer understand or be a little bit frustrated that, hey, I'm not getting an update. Well, if you look at the process of bringing vehicles to market, a lot of the pre-planning on this took place three to five years ago. You know, they were setting up, you know, I'll use hardtops, right? Hardtops seems to be the thing that is the major constraint right now. We've had several different messages around hardtops. Well, those hardtops aren't something that Ford's building. They've got an outsourced company. They've outsourced it. Those companies are having interference with COVID. So this is kind of normal. Typically, it's the dealer that's dealing with this when they're doing a new F-150 launch. They're making changes. And 
I go in to order what I want for the lot and I, they say, well, you can't have it because they're missing a five cent bolt for that feature. So you can't do it. I deal with that. This time it's a little bit more personal because the customer's being told, no, you can't get exactly what you want or that's going to be on hold. So that's normal in a product launch. So that's the first thing I want people to understand is this isn't a failure on Ford's part. This is kind of standard operation, but the consumer is more involved in the process this time. So, and it's a lot more personal. I mean, the Bronco is not a, uh, an everyday car. It's a car with memories. It's a car uh, that when the customers are ordering, they're telling us their story. Hey, I had one in the 60s. I had this 70s. Hey, in high school, I had this. And so it's, it's almost part of the family, so it's a little bit more personal. But one of the things that uh, my wife pointed out to me is, is that on both of our kids, she had to wait over nine months. And they worked, and it, it was well worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah, exactly right. If they wait nine months uh, for a child, yeah. Um, and, and hey, the Broncos definitely gonna be part of the family. And uh, I'm fortunate that I got to see the Broncos back in 2019. This is probably what caused you to want to have. That's why I put both on on order. Is I, I got to see the Bronco two door, four door, and the Sport back in 2019 at a dealer meeting. It was a pre review. Uh, early release before the Bronco was released to the public. I mean, it was it was pretty funny because we're there with five Western States dealers, about 300 people in the room, and they're taking our cell phones away from us. Now, if you've been around car dealers, and you got to figure that some of these people own 15, 20 dealerships, they've got stuff going on, right? They're like, extremely busy. These yeah, are the these principals. Are, yeah. These are busy, busy. Yeah, it was, it was primarily dealer principals, and they're taking their cell phones away from them. And to prevent that's leaks how, of photos, right? And every video so, and everything. Yeah. So there's no leak of photos. Yeah. And uh, it was incredible. I mean, it was when I saw the Broncos come out, I couldn't decide whether I wanted a two-door or a four-door as they lift this curtain and there's a half-million-dollar light show going on and it's back is playing over the loudspeakers at a level that was going to almost put you into a, a seizure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at the two-door, the four-door, the two-door, the four-door. And so I decided to hell with it. I'm getting both. I also had the experience of going to the Bronco off-rodeo that we'll talk about. And so I'm fortunate to say that I'm one of the few non-press people that have actually had a chance to not only sit in and drive the Bronco, but really run it through its paces. And I'm excited to talk about that a little bit later and and what to expect when you go to Bronco off-rodeo. Now, here's something. You mentioned 2019. Mm -hmm. There was not one bit of pandemic the word pandemic on the landscape on the forefront nobody had thought about this everybody's got imports from china japan europe you know europe the whole bit this pandemic comes along and the import and the supply chain and manufacturing hung on for a little while and now it's to the point where complete supply chains are non-existent you just take it back all the way to raw materials right oh absolutely you know there's going to be lapses there's going to be breaks they can't manufacture something if they don't have the raw material to start with. And, you know, if you, if we just step and look at the Ford factory plants, well, they shut down for over three months. Okay. During this build out time. Well, if they're shut down, Ford does just in time ordering. The stuff comes in at midnight. It goes on the car at six o'clock the next morning. Right. So they're not ordering these parts and pieces. They don't have room to store it. So they call their suppliers and they say, Hey, we're going to close down for a little bit we're not going to order for the next three months. So what's the supplier do? They call their supplier and say, hey, we don't need these things for the next three months. You have multiple bits and pieces that came to a stop. And it, I mean, you get all the way down to the, the bottom of you need people out there, rubber, getting rubber. Oh, and yeah. they 
the rubber guy goes, hey, don't come to work for the next three months. So what's the guy that's out there getting the rubber do? He goes and finds another job. Now the rubber plant's going to go back into, okay, we're back up. We're going full production. But wait a minute. Only a third of my staff returned. I've got to hire people. I've got to train people. So when you start looking at these bits and pieces and these components, it's not a three-month shutdown. It's not a three-month delay. Oh, it's, it's three months and then start back up. So there's there's some of the issues. And I think for the most part, we're really fortunate that our customers get it and they really understand. Right. I mean, looking at some of the forums, there's some people out there that are just really upset. And it's like, hey, let's step back. It's pretty impressive that we're still able to get this vehicle coming out in the same model year. Are we getting the numbers that we hoped for? Is everybody getting what they wanted uh, in, in the time frame they wanted? No, it's, it's not going to happen. Nor is it a realistic expectation if you just step back and go, okay, let's look at this from 40,000 feet. There's all these moving parts that came to a complete stop. And now they're, hey, let's go back to full gear. Uh, go, 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 build, build, build. If you look at every business out there, Oh, everybody's short staffed right now. Everybody, there's all these different things. So I think what's being done right now is amazing. Yeah, they've, they've uh, announced, in fact, just at the Michigan Assembly Plant in Wayne, Michigan, they have announced they are investing over $750 million to make sure that this is working properly and it's going to be handled and they, they can produce. But we're focusing on the top. This is, this is, I mean, it's a shame. It's just a shame. It's not anyone's fault. I mean, look at, look at building materials. Look at the appliances for homes and building uh, housing starts. The pricing of plywood. Good grief. Uh, used to be eight bucks, then it went to twenty-five bucks, then it was thirty-five bucks. Now it's up over eighty dollars, and that's an old number. I I had figures of a hundred and twenty dollars a sheet, but here's the caveat: if they can get it, sure. Well, and one thing that I think is important too, I, I talked about in two thousand nineteen, getting to see the Bronco at a dealer meeting. The last dealer meeting that we went to this in twenty twenty one was online, and it was digital, right, because of COVID. But the message that came from Ford was quality first. And the whole time they said, hey, we know we're going to have problems in our supply chain. We know that there's going to be slow ups. But the one thing we're not going to do is cut the quality. They've doubled down on their quality checking to make sure that when the vehicles get to the dealership, not just the Broncos, but across the line, that the quality is there. They're, they recognize that the people are going to be waiting. People are going to be frustrated with the time frames. The biggest frustration is to do it incorrectly and have the vehicle hit the ground, ready to go, and then have problems. So that's something else that I think is important for people to know is, is that Ford's willing to slow it down a little bit to put out a quality product to make sure that there's not problems. When I was at the rodeo getting to drive the Broncos, now some were pre-production models and mules and, and things like that, but the fit and finish was amazing. The quality of the vehicle was amazing. Some of these already had nine, ten thousand 10,000 miles on them. So but that's something as a consumer that I really thought, hey, that's pretty awesome. That when I get it, it's going to be right. I was worried, hey, they're going to rush to push these vehicles out and quality is going to go out the window and we're going to have, you know, two left turn signals, right? <laughs> and, and no right turn signal. But that's not the case. They're, they're doing it right. Well, the next thing I think is getting reliable reputable information. That's why we're here, quite mm -hmm. frankly, to make sure that customers and listeners have news you can use, no uh, falsehoods, no half-truths, those type of things. The Bronconation.com is a very reputable, that's a wonderful a resource. 
It's thebroncoNation.com. You can just type in Bronco Nation. It'll take you there. And that has everything that's happening, all the most recent updates. And they're asking about the tops. And everybody is frustrated. I mean, they would want to get it when they want to get it. But everybody's had to suffer from delays on everything. It's not just vehicles. And, of course, we're super excited about it. We've addressed the tops Ford obviously is having to change their production schedule. It's the it's the uh, issue of the hard top versus the soft top. They invented and they took out patents on this uh, painted modular hard top with the uh, glass panels that that clip out, you know, so they can remove that and that won't be available. They said uh, 2023 model year, but what that means really is at the end of next year, it probably production will come out. And then the white top is going to be an option. So there's all of these new colors, new options coming out. You know, on that, I, I got to say, again, go, going back to being a consumer on this one, I've changed my order three times on, on my, my personal Bronco that I was ordering for myself. My wife's uh, not quite as much. So as a consumer, I went, oh, man, I'm not getting what I want. Oh, man, I'm not getting what I wanted. And I'll go back to, again, being in the Bronco Rodeo, I got to drive a twin to the Bronco I have on order. Uh, I have a, uh, a Wild Tracks <laughs> uh, Lux White on order for myself. And that's what I got to drive. And I jumped in it, and I'm, I'm geeking out, like, oh, my gosh, this is so awesome from the touch screen to everything. And I'm just having a killer time. Went through a couple... <laughs> Went through a couple things that were uh, growth experiences. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And I, I was leading eight different cars, and I, I got out to shoot some video for the guy behind me as he's coming up this trail. And I, it was kind of unsteady ground. And so I touched the side of the vehicle on the roof. That's the point I realized that I was driving a soft top. This is not a soft top like I had pictured that's, you know, a thin vinyl flapping in the wind thing. This is a legitimate top that happens to be a soft top right then and there. I mean, I stopped and I kind of feel bad because I didn't get videos of the guy coming up out of this trail like I had planned. Oh, God. And I start looking at the soft top, right? And I go, huh, well, this is awesome. Maybe I'll change mine to a soft top order. This is before the, the cadence this week that, uh, you know, most orders need to be converted to a soft top. My attitude on it's like this. I didn't know I wanted a soft top. After seeing it and experiencing it, I want a soft top. I'm going to get a hard top. I live in the Pacific Northwest, right? If I got to start off with a soft top, I'm okay with that. And I'm thinking actually that possession of it is probably the first uh, we've got to address with customers. Hey, do you want the vehicle and worry about the top later and make make adjustments in your lifestyle that way? Because they are, Ford actually mentioned, they have to redesign. It's called a... It's a whole new bracket system for both different it, types of It's a of bracket types. system, exactly right. And I didn't know this. But if you order a soft top in regular production time, the hard top would not adhere to it, would not fit, doesn't have the um, application for the electrical and the window wash, you know, washer and wiper and defrost window on the back. And if you ordered a hard top and wanted a soft top, no can do because of the mounting brackets. Now Ford has, has come out quick like a flash, made these mounting brackets, and they're sending that kit if you go to the soft top. To me, it's, am I getting what I want when I want it? No, I'm not. Nobody is, right? But am I actually going to get a better product? Am I going to have a soft top now and a hard top? I got to tell you, I like it. I mean, it's, I almost feel like I'm getting a better value. Sure. And it's easy for me to see that because I've experienced a soft top, right? I didn't recognize it being a soft top. There's no flapping in the wind. There's, there's none of it. My initial response is, why would I want a soft top? No way. 
Right. After seeing it, I went, oh, yeah, this is cool. It's easy to take on and off. I can do all these different things with it. It gives the vehicle a different look. And the, the molded in-color top, it has the T-top, mm-hmm. driver's side, passenger side. Then the second row is a complete panel. It goes all the way across. That comes off. You have to store that in the back. That's no problem. They've, they've made arrangements to have that stored in the back. And you're right. I was going, ooh. It is just a little bit of adjustment for customers. Still, the rollout, they're fussing. And just a matter of, hey, it's just like first model of the year. But it's never been produced before. I think that uh, the other thing people are like, well, it's going to cost me more money. And I, I think that's a fair concern. But from a stance on the, on the dealership with senior management, we're talking about what ways can we take care of our customer? You know, I mean, we've been in business for over 40 years. Our reputation and the reason we're successful is we take care of our customer. We're going to do everything we can for those customers that need the hard tops to get those ordered as soon as, as possible and communicate that the whole way through. The biggest thing I'd want people to take away, though, is is that I almost think this is a positive. I mean, at least for the way I plan on using the Bronco, for us, it's not going to be a, our primary vehicle. I think for a lot of our customers, it's a third car. You're in, I'm going to drive it during the summer. I'm going to drive it up to my fifth wheel because I, I store my fifth wheel in a, a camp spot all summer long. Instead of having to drive my diesel up there all the time, it's just going to be a, a fun rig, and it's going to be something I'm bombing around with the top off during the summer. For a lot of the impact on it, it's kind of a mute point as I step back and I really look at it. I'm not getting what I what I had pictured, right? I, I built this vehicle. I want a certain way. I want a certain look, and I'm not able to get it. Was there initial disappointment? Yeah, there was. I, I was going, ah, man, I don't know. I really want this. But after experiencing this soft top, I go, oh, shoot, this is going to be better because I'm going to have that soft top that I can put on on those days where, hey, it might rain, it might not. Drop the top. It's just overall better. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about as well when we get into the Bronco Rodeo is uh, I actually was involved with removing the doors and some stuff. So I've got oh, some hands-on experience cool, very that cool, very I definitely cool. want to make sure we don't miss. Well, and that goes right into our Bronco Rodeo. It's called the broncooffrodeo.com. And every customer that buys a Bronco gets a free admission ticket to this Bronco Off Rodeo. There's multiple locations, West Coast and East Coast. All you got to do is get yourself there and you drive their Broncos. They've made this whole thing. So Horseshoe Bay, Texas was the first initial uh, Bronco Off Rodeo. You were invited to go just outside of Austin. Yeah. So I was able to go and with the way that the schedule fell, I registered early. So I went the first day that they opened, uh, which I believe was May 11th. And that felt, uh, that time frame was perfect. My wife had some time off. I was able to get the time off. Middle of the month tends to be best, not the beginning of the month, end of the month. Realized I hadn't been on a vacation for going on two years. Getting a, a little break and jumping on a plane and, and going and learning stuff about the Bronco and getting a chance to drive them was an opportunity that I was excited to do. I thought the locations that are, are have been well chosen. The locations that have been announced is Horseshoe Bay in Texas. So about an hour and a half out of Austin, about an hour and 45 minutes out of Dallas. So wow. two major airports to fly into. I looked at both airports when I was arranging my flights. Austin was about $15 a flight cheaper, and the rental car was a little bit cheaper. We flew into Austin. We ended up spending, uh, making a little mini vacation out of it, spent a couple days in Austin, then drove out Sunday, the day before the event. Our event was on Monday. Checked into Horseshoe Bay, awesome resort. Oh, the pictures are amazing. <laughs> I, I, I've seen the pictures of that, and ooh, it's a, It is a... a a great little resort. It's um, got all the amenities you would expect, spa treatments, great golf courses. 
when we signed up, and, and one thing I want to make clear on, the event that I went to was a dealer-focused event. It was one day, whereas the Bronco off-roadio events are like a day and a half. Right. So there was some stuff that we didn't go over and didn't do that would be part of the regular event. The accommodations from the hosting resort, they were offering discounts on golf, things like that. It was great. Like a little couple's getaway. The Monday when I went and did the event, my wife took advantage of the resort. She had some business meetings that she had to attend online. So she didn't take full advantage of the spa treatments and things like I thought she would. That's kind of the, the thing that I liked about it is, is it, it was fairly inexpensive for us to get there. It was really great accommodations. And it's something that you could do as a couple where she got to do what she wanted to do during the day. I went and did my thing. I compare it to a golf outing, right? Right. Now, th- this is your first outing since the pandemic and COVID. You were mentioning that they really addressed this well with the distancing and the... So at the event itself was was incredible. They picked us up from Horseshoe Bay, which is a resort. They pick us up in a tricked out Ford Transit. Everybody's wearing masks. We were running double the vans that you would need to to transport people to allow social distancing. Now, at the point that we're listening to this, at least in Oregon, the masking uh, requirements are being lifted today uh, is the first day. But I, I think that talking about COVID throughout this and the way that it was handled speaks to the level of intent, focus, and quality that this event is, because that would have been the easiest thing to go away from. They weren't adhering to Texas state standards at that time. They were adhering to more restrictions. They were focusing on that we were coming from all over the U.S. We had people from Delaware. We had folks, uh, I believe there's a, a couple from Alaska that were in the event. And they, they recognized that we were all coming from different locations. We all had different concerns. And they really went to protect us. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me was the lunch was, A, an incredible lunch. Dinner was incredible as well. But as we're going through, it was kind of a buffet style. And there was an individual employee standing behind every single item of food. And they would pass your plate through gloved hands and served. There was no cross-contamination. Every step of the way it was looked at, how do we keep our people safe and make this event safe? The only delay we experienced was waiting at one point to go on our drive because the group ahead of us had just finished. They had about 50 Broncos there roughly. And they were hand sanitizing each and every vehicle before the next group. So a driver would come out, a detailer would grab that vehicle, take it up to their detail area, sanitize that vehicle, and then bring it back down safe and ready. And I I think that that just speaks to how well designed and how thought out, how safe this is. I mean, when you go to a restaurant, right, it's the first thing you look at. Are the menus clean? If the menus aren't clean, you probably don't want to eat at that <laughs> restaurant, right? I mean, I, I, sometimes I, the food is too good, but yeah, yeah, well, no, yeah, yeah it's there, something you definitely notice. There, there is that, you know, but you go, the, the yep. little details speak to the event. And so I think that that was one of the things for me that I went, okay, if they're, if they're mining those little details and taking my safety that serious, when I'm out on the trail, it's safe to assume that the, the big objects and the big things have been taken care of because they were mining the little detail. So you get into the Bronco, they get the driving event, you get your training going. Talk about this well, extreme conditions that they took these Broncos into. Well, well let's uh, let's kind of just step back and people will walk through what to expect when they get there, right? They picked us up at the Horseshoe Bay. We pull in to this facility. And I think I'm using the term facility a little bit loosely. I'm not a real estate expert, but I'm guessing a couple million dollars. I mean, there's a, there's a full-on air-conditioned pavilion. 
uh, they were. And this su- is all Ford stuff. Oh, it's it's all Ford. They they bought a ranch. I think it was three hundred and something odd acres, and they had started building this course back in December. Wow. And so the gentleman that was one of my coaches, it was actually his dad that was designing the course. And his dad had driven on the Land Rover Camel Series as a racer back in the 90s. We're going on, like you could not have a better off-roading experience than a guy with decades of experience going through and and making the courses. As you pull in, uh, they were finishing up some of the infrastructure and the landscaping. They're laying out AstroTurf. There's huge bonfire pits set up. The whole design is to be starting to build the camaraderie around the Bronco. As you go through, do a quick introduction. You put a pin on where you're from on, on a map of the United States. And again, this is the first day, right? But I was in the fourth group, fifth group there. And there's already pins all over this map of the United States. Wow. And so you get to know who you're with. They ask some questions about, hey, what's your off-roading experience? Asking, what are your concerns? What are the things that you want to learn? What's important to you? They kind of explained what to expect. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated. We had an itinerary on the back of our badge. We knew time frame when we were going to go to what event, to what event, to what event. You could kind of build expectations wow. for your day, right? So once again, the planning is just fantastic. It's, it is spot on. I mean, it is. I deal with planning things, and I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm taking mental notes. Like, they got this dialed in. <laughs> it really spoke to me to it brought down my stress level because I knew, hey, we're going to go and do this for an hour. Then we're going to go and do this. Okay, this is when our lunch break is. There was no question of like, hey, should I use the restroom here or should I wait? I, I could plan out my day accordingly, you know. We got there. We did the Q&A, got, got a feel for people. Uh, the drivers, instructors introduced themselves. I got to tell you, these are people with 20-plus years of experience that Ford has handpicked. The way that they broke things down and explained things was incredible. I, I kept thinking, okay, I need to take mental notes because the the way they tied it back into layman's terms, I talk about when I'm doing a car deal about kindergarten clarity. I want my a kindergartner to understand what I'm conveying in my numbers and, and the details of the deal. They broke it down to that level of clarity where a kindergartner or a first grader would know what they're talking about when they're explaining how a locker works or any one of the other features. So that really impressed me. Well, you mentioned women are there and women love the Bronco. We talked about that before. They love it from the very minute. They've loved the original Bronco. They're here. They're all in it. And uh, women were there getting ready to drive. Can I say something real quick just before we get to that? Just to clarify for with the off-rodeo, all the listeners. So this is something, an event. There's four different events, Mm -hmm. four different locations. Just explain exactly what what is off-rodeo. Moab, Utah, Austin, Texas. Las Vegas, Nevada, and then it shows there's a northeast location. So you go on to Bronco Off Rodeo, Rodeo, not R O D E O, the typical road, R O A D, rodeo.com, all of that here. And it's for anyone that is an order holder of Broncos, correct? correct? You went to a dealer event. So anyone who's ordered, so again, who is listening, order holder for a Bronco, you can attend one of these four locations. There's a whole forum online on the broncooffrodeo.com. You can fill out basic information, name, email, things like that. And then you can say which ones you'd like to attend. And it shows, at least here on the website, that there's three different month segments. You say which ones you'd like to, and then, of course, they'll fit you in, and COVID might affect that when you can get there. But you just have to get there. The food, as you mentioned, lunch and dinner is provided. And some of these flights I see from Medford to Austin, at least from Medford, a smaller airport, it's looking around. I looked uh, for August. It's around $250. And also Nevada and Moab, Utah. Several locations there to go to. It's going to be a great experience from here, it says, 
expand your skills, build your confidence, encourage you to get out into the wild for years to come, designed to challenge and excite both novices and experts. So it's really for anybody that wants to get out there. So I want to mention that for people so they know, hey, what Perfect. the heck are you guys talking about? Perfect. Perfect. Two things Two things on to add to that. What we did, because we hadn't been traveling via COVID, well, we're Alaska Airlines credit card holders, right? So we get a companion flight for $100. So it cost me $100 to bring my wife along, get her a mini vacation. Love it. She did not go take part in the driving event because, again, it was a dealer event, so that that wasn't allowed. You do have the option to bring a, a, guest, a yeah. guest with you. I have two Broncos on order, so I have two spots so she and I could go back in tandem. Wow, um, cool. One of the things that I'll, I want to mention here, I would love to go back and do this again. I got a lot of value. I probably won't go back. What I plan on doing is sending my wife and my son. I got to learn some things, and I'm 41 years old. I've been driving for a bit. I got to learn some things that I didn't know. And it was so valuable. And the training was so good, the way that they explained things. My son being a young driver, I would pay thousands of dollars for this kind of training for him. Like, I think it's a life skill that you're learning. My wife is a go-getter. She would just love the heck out of this. And you mentioned that there were some ladies in our group. And that was one of the things, I guess, that I was really impressed with, with the staff. These young ladies had never engaged a four-wheel drive system before. So when you talk about a novice, there was some real fear and apprehension. And they were, they were really vulnerable and really open about it. One of them said, I've ridden in four-wheel drives, but I've never, ever had a car engaged in four-wheel drive, even as a passenger. Like, this is, I'm a city girl. And she, of all of us, probably had the most fun. I mean, the trainers went through and confirmed that she understood everything. And not in a patronizing way, no. but, but just like... And being a dad, I kind of yeah. watch for this stuff, right? In a teaching right? way, right? <laughs> they made so sure everyone was safe, everyone's questions were answered. They would just kind of come by and, and just check on you. Hey, that made sense to you? Are there any other questions? And they'd just kind of go through and just make sure everybody was having a good time. And there was no ego there. There was no anything. Their goal was to make sure that we learned, we were safe, and we had fun. And they knocked out of the, the park on all three, all three things. So... We got there, we did our Q&A, got to know everybody, and then we broke up into smaller groups. Uh, there were four of four to five of us. There were nine in our group total, so we had four in one group, five in another group with a trainer or a coach or a spotter or whatever. I'll use those terms kind of yeah. interchangeably here. We went over, and they have a small skills course set up. What this skills course was designed in a compact, small area to exhibit or show each and every feature that would be unique to the Bronco, right? And they're not going to start with, here's your turn signal, but here's how you put it into four low. Here's how you engage your locking front and rear differential. And they were explaining why you would do it, what situations you would do. And then after the explanation, we would demonstrate it. So one of us would jump in the vehicle and go and use that feature with the rest of us 10 to 15 feet away so that we could observe the difference between the feature being engaged or not engaged. And we all kind of round robin went through that and got to experience five or six different unique things to the Bronco. And it took about an hour. And then after that, we came down and looked at some parts and accessories. And uh, so we could see what was available for the Bronco. Part of that was a time filler so that the vehicles could finalize getting cleaned and sanitized for us. And then we got an opportunity to drive the Bronco Sport and run it through 
some off-road situations, a track, and really test the limits of the Bronco Sport. Now, we'd had a Bronco Sport uh, for about four months in my family, and so I knew it was a very capable vehicle. I did not recognize how capable it was. Now, I would think that might be one of the differences between the dealer off-rodeo event and the consumer off-rodeo event that the folks that have Bronco Sports will probably spend predominantly their time learning that vehicle, whereas the people that have a two-door or a four-door Bronco probably won't do that section. Well, the Bronco Sport owners, they get this drive event as well. Correct. So they will have Bronco Sport vehicles there. Correct. And you know what? Just thinking about it out loud, if a Bronco Sport owner plans a trip the same weekend or day event that the Bronco owners do, they will probably go off to another direction I, with the I Bronco would think Sport so. vehicles. I yeah. think that there'll be some separation. And some of the events of the, of the consumer site will probably be different. Like I said before, mine was a day. The consumers, it looks to be a day and a half at this point. We drove the Bronco Sports, came back, and then we did some classes along the way talking about recovery. You know, hey, what happens if you find yourself in a situation? What kind of recovery gear as a dealer we need to encourage our, our clients to make sure they have in their vehicle from a safety standpoint? Some different techniques for vehicle recovery. Talked a little bit about winching. We finished that drive. We came back. And after we talked about the recovery, we talked about a little bit of preparation. What things do we need to have? First aid kit, shovels, sunblock, water. How much water do you need? Giving us some basic overall ideas of, of things that should be in the vehicle. Some ideas on how to recommend that we store these things. And again, these are coaches with minimum of 20 years of experience yeah, around amazing. off-roading. So while I feel like I'm fairly prepared in my vehicle, they brought up a couple things that I, I wouldn't have thought of. But it was it was open and it was interacting. We were giving them what we thought and they were expanding upon it. So it wasn't a lecture. It wasn't classroom time. It was open dialogue. For me, that's more effective. I mean, I had to think, okay, well, what else do we need in this situation? We got a chance to learn the skills of the vehicles, got a chance to drive the Bronco Sports, talked about recovery, recovery equipment, the pros and cons of different types of equipment, talked about what we needed to have in the vehicle for comfort. I mean, things that I hadn't thought of because it's the Northwest. One of the things they suggested was was bug spray, right? Because we're not, we don't have a lot of bug problems. But you know what? How much room does a, a bottle of off take if you throw it in a backpack that you, you carry for off-roading for when you get into a situation where you're by a lake that has mosquitoes and you're stuck? you know, and you're doing a winch out. Sure. Right. And I, that's something I didn't have in my off-road bag. How many people would be frustrated if they're getting chomped to bits oh, and you're yeah. trying to get your rig you get stuck out. in mud and then you get stuck by a mosquito. Yeah. That's, right. that's so fun. It was just <laughs> stuck and stuck. I just, the whole, the whole experience was, was common sense. So about that point we came up to our lunch break. And again, I talked about how well they were prepared to deal with COVID and the preparation there. After lunch, we got to uh, go and, and spend some time in the two door and the four door Broncos. And there was a full array there from bases all the way up to Sasquatches. Interesting enough, because these were pre-production vehicles, there was actually a first edition in the Bronco Sport that wow, was that was cool. in the So, I mean, when I say there was a full lineup of vehicles, well, there, there was, was a full, full lineup of vehicles. Again, I, I mentioned earlier, I jumped in and drove a Wild Track, which comes with a Sasquatch package. I did not know when I grabbed that vehicle that meant that I was going to be the leader of the pack and that the other eight vehicles were, or seven vehicles were going to be following me. So to talk a little bit as well about the safety and, and that aspect of it, each vehicle uh, had a radio. 
radios were all set to the same channel. So if you needed guidance, there was someone to reach out to. One of the coaches jumped in with me. And again, mask on. Every detail was thought about. And so I, I got a little bit different experience because A, being the leader, and then having a coach with me, I noticed that he had two radios, one in each breast pocket, right? And I'm sitting there going, why is the guy carrying two radios? It's kind of like, why does the guy carry two cell phones, right? Sure. Well, he had his set to channel six, which was what we were all on. Then he had his radio for getting back to base camp, right? So if something happened, they were ready to go. Yeah. You know, both coaches were carrying backpacks. They went through their backpacks. They had the first aid kits. They had the gear. They had the block and tackle. They had the D shackles. They had everything they needed with them if something were to happen. Now, some of these Broncos were accessorized. There was one or two that had a winch on them. Everything within the group was ready to go. I, I just kind of doing a mental checklist. Yeah. I felt super safe. A couple times during it, I'm leading the, the group, and we're going along some dirt roads, and I'm going, okay, this is pretty cool. This is, uh, this is great. And he says, okay, pull up here and come to your right. And I, and I look, and I go, well, there's a perfectly good road to the left, and what you're telling me to do is pull up to this creek. He goes, okay, we're going to forge this creek and go down the creek bottom. He gets out, and he disappears. So I turned on my front camera, and I realized he's gone down an embankment. He's about six foot tall, and I can't see him. So what's that tell you? It's about a six or wow. seven foot drop. And then he pops up on these rocks, you know, 100 feet Across away from way. me. Oh, wow. And he says, okay, come on in. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, where's the cameraman that's going to say, no, man, we're kidding. You're not taking the $60,000 Bronco down this embankment into a, a creek. There was no cameraman. So that's exactly what we did. I'm watching him. He literally just went down six feet off of an embankment into the creek. Into a creek. And then I got up onto a rock and then just kind of worked my way back into the creek. And the creek was a little bit deeper than the door sills. So one of the things that they actually taught us was water forging and how to push the uh, water out in front of us so it wouldn't come back into the vehicles. Right, that's don't one go sideways, right? You go, for, you go into it. You go into on. it and just keep a little, a little wake out in front of you so it doesn't come back in. You're changing the water levels. We proceeded down this creek bed for, it seemed like, you know, a quarter mile, half mile. I mean, it was, it was quite a bit. And he'd radio at me, okay, kind of hold up here as the other seven rigs came in. Then he says, okay, just proceed out the creek. And then when you get out of the creek, give enough room for everybody to get out and stop and we'll regroup. The spotters are running back and forth, helping the other people. And I'm out ahead of them going, well, we're not in Kansas anymore. And I, you know, I had to start driving. I get out and I'll be honest. I mean, I've done some, I've driven by necessity. Let's say you've done some crazy things before. I, I've, I, I have found myself in some situations <laughs> Had experiences. That, that, that involved, okay, how do we fix this problem that I've created? Yeah, I, I, I've got some life experience. But doing this in somebody else's car that I just got into, it was kind of surreal. At this point, I'm thinking to myself, I would never take my car down into this. But boy, it's kind of cool to know that now, I could. How was it with this Bronco, you know, fjording this creek that's up to the door sills? That's nine, ten inches. Oh, no, we're talking feet. You got to remember, I'm in a Sasquatch. Okay, so, so the, I'm, I'm the rolling on 35s. Tires, yeah. yeah, so the clearance yeah. the clearance is 8.8 inches on regular, 11 and a half inches with Sasquatch. So you're talking a foot deep, easy. Could be, uh, like I, you said, two feet, maybe a foot and a half. What the or more? Really? Yeah, Craig, we're we're in some pretty serious water here. I mean, wow. Were you and nervous, Bronco? Were you really nervous? It, yeah, no. I mean, it, it like just forces it right away. If, I, if I'm really checking in my emotion, I was kind of in a little bit of shock. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, right? Like, I'm not taking this into this, oh, okay, we're, we're doing this. And, hey, I'm, 
I'm kind of enjoying this. What if so? Yeah, but there's fear. Like, Once again, yeah. this is not yeah. my rig. This is this your is not, rig. This is not my rig. Yeah. You got the pride factor, being a guy. What if I do something wrong? I think it was a little bit more intimidating because I was the first vehicle. Yeah. And so, like, once we got through the creek, I got out to take some photos of the guy coming up out, and that's where I realized it was a soft top. In talking with him, I go, that was pretty intense. He goes, man, I feel for you. Like, I kind of watched what you did and took deviations off your line, but I had a frame of reference. He goes, you're going in cold turkey. And, and so that would be one of the things I would say to somebody, if they are a complete novice, if they have apprehension, don't be the first car. Be the second car. If the vehicle ahead of you made it through, you've got a frame of reference. Exactly, okay. yeah. The, oh, okay, I should have used more RPMs there. I should have used less RPMs there. They're spinning out. And so you've got a, a reference point to go off of. If you're a more experienced person, here's your opportunity to be a leader. I would not say I'm an experienced off-roader. Uh, again, I've driven by necessity, so I have some life experience of, of things. Got through that, and I, the whole time I'm thinking, I cannot believe that we're doing this. And we went through and we experienced each of the features that we learned in the safety course or in the, the prelim. There were different aspects of it that were set up to experience that. The things that really, three times, I thought, okay, where's the cameraman to say stop? We traversed and we're doing some switchbacks and we come up to this rock field that is going alongside of this mountain and said okay we're going to go through this and and i'm looking at the first the entrance to this i'm going that rock's five feet tall these are rocks this is not a road this is not a trail this is not something no you're talking of boulder pre-road rock field this is a boulder it it, it, boulder field is a better (laughs) it's kind of on mars it's cut into a side of a cliff and i'm going uh, or side of the mountain i'm going well okay i would struggle to walk up this you want me to drive up this and about that time the trainer's out and He's scampering up on a rock and he's like waving me on. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. So this is where the front locking differential and the rear locking differential is, is essential. You could not make it through without front and rear lockers. The other thing that I would say that was a byproduct that I didn't expect because this was a, a, a wild track, I had the 12 inch front camera and it really gave me a lot of peace of mind as I'm going into this boulder field. I'm up on two wheels. I'm getting directions and I get, I mean, these spotters were incredible. I could see him at all times, but he's giving me signals, and I'm thinking, okay, I really know what he's getting at, but that doesn't match up with what I last saw. So I had my front camera on, and I could see, okay, there's a lip on this rock, and he's telling me to ease over to get to the backside of this, and then I can traverse to my next move. The picture had changed from when I was coming up at a five, six degree angle to get perched on top of this boulder, and I got two wheels touching, he could see things I couldn't, but that front camera allowed me to get a view of what he was seeing, and I wasn't just going blind. So that gave me a lot of confidence. I mean, not that I don't trust my spotter, but I, I need to understand why we're doing it and what, what our next step is. And then they brought in this stabilizer bar quick disconnect. So my vehicle did not was not equipped with that, but the other people were. So I got a chance being in the front, I get through and I got to watch the difference between people just going through with lockers or with the disconnect on and the disconnect really gave a lot more traction. It would have, it was able to maneuver that course faster than I was able to maneuver it. And I'm not saying that I struggled by any means. Like on this part of the course, I realized that the way the course was laid out, while it looked 100% natural, everything was relatively flat. 
and everything was banked to go back into the mountain. If I rolled the vehicle, I wasn't rolling. I was going on my side. And all I'd really have to worry about was my embarrassment. Yeah, right. I wasn't in life. The vehicles were in danger. I wasn't. But there's also rock rails that are standard on those upper trim levels. And so, I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed. I didn't get to use them. You didn't, you <laughs> didn't vehicle, get high-centered. You, no, you didn't have to scrape over a rock. You didn't have to, any of that. We had adequate ground clearance to get through everything. Now, could you go and take a, a stock Jeep through this course? No. It, it wouldn't make it. Just it wouldn't have the ground clearance to get through. I don't want to make it sound like this was easy driving. My takeaway when the trainer got in after this point, I said, the downside to this is this could make somebody really overconfident. I said, because this isn't my driving ability. This is the vehicle. Oh, yeah. And he says, it could. He said, but this vehicle is so capable. He says, for the price point, you can't find anything else in the market that touches what this is capable of doing. And it took me as a, a novice and allowed me to do this side-hilling rock boulder crawling, two wheels. I mean, this is stuff you see on YouTube, like in the fail videos. And there wasn't yeah, any the failure. Yeah, the fail videos, exactly. We got through that, and then we came up to what I would refer to as a, a rock face. And it was probably three car lengths long. You know, nothing is straight up, but man, it felt straight up. And again, I thought, okay, where's the cameraman going to stop and pop out and say, no, man, candid camera, we're kidding. You're not going to go up this thing. But again, I watched the, the spotter run up this thing, waving me on. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I, I, a car can't drive up this steep of a face. Well, a car can't, but a Bronco makes it like nobody's problem. And again, we're in stock Broncos. We don't, we haven't aired down the tires. We're running with, with full air and it just, boom, ran up this thing like it was nobody's business. And when you're in an angle in a, in a seat in a car and you're feeling like you're getting ready to get launched on a roller coaster, it's a little unnerving. And then the pop up on the top, I mean, I'll, I'd be lying to you if I didn't do a woohoo. <laughs> you know, so here I'm, I'm at a Bronco event in Texas and I'm having the time of my life, but I'm learning. I'm taking back skills that I didn't have before. I felt like I knew how to do these things. But now I know I can do them. I know how to do them safely. One of the things that we talked about as we were driving is, is that I thought was interesting and something I took away is, is he had me in four low most of the time. And I said, you know, I, I never go into four low. And he says, well, we're never going to go on any of these courses over 15 miles an hour. So why wouldn't you be in four low? I said, well, I don't need it. And he says, yeah, you don't need it until you need it. Why wouldn't you be set up? For a worst case scenario at oh, all have times. It, just have it. Since you're up below 15 and, miles an hour, just leave it on. So, And I went, you know what? That, that totally makes sense. You know, there's a lot of times where I've been four-wheeling in a pickup truck, and it would have been better if I'd been in four low. But I wasn't because just my mindset. And it kind of goes back to education, right? How did I learn how four-wheel drive works? My dad and my uncles go, yeah, this is your four-wheel drive. Go figure it out, right? And in high school, you'd go and see how far you could go before your truck got stuck and your buddies would try to winch on you to get you out with whatever old logging chain they had in the back of their truck. Yeah. So over trial and error, we've learned things about four-wheeling or we have conceptions about four-wheeling, but it doesn't mean they're right, you know? And there were some things that were pointed out that I went, okay, that's different than how I would have done this, but you know what? It's better. It's better than what my conception was right. or, or my thought process was. You know, in closing, one of the fun things I don't want to miss you came back so astonished, but you also said, I can absolutely see my family doing this, having a blast, just taking off, being gone for the weekend, whatever. Speak about that. So I think that because it was set up 
with safety on mind so much and learning the capability of this vehicle, this vehicle is more capable than I had imagined. I mean, the technology is there. And one of the things that I, I talked about uh, with somebody, they said, well, I don't need all this stuff, right? And I'll talk about like the front and rear lockers or the, the brake, the wheel brake. No, you, you don't need it, right? We, we've been getting along for years without it. But I compare it to the backup camera in my pickup. I still use my mirrors. I look at my backup camera to make sure I'm safe. There's a lot of safety features built into this vehicle so that when you find yourself in that oh man situation, you can get yourself out of it. You know, there's a, a hill ascent and descent mode. And that was actually the part that on the on the training course that I got to demonstrate. And so I'm sitting on a hillside at stop and they said, okay, put this on and, and put it to two miles an hour and have it take you the rest of the way up the hill. And my ego me is going, well, I'd never use this. <laughs> and it sat there and it found the right gear. It found the right RPM. And from a complete stop on a pretty steep grade, just took me right up and over this hill and then held me at that two miles per hour as I'm going down the hill. After doing it, I said, okay, that's pretty cool. Then I started to unpack it. I go, okay, well, where would I really use this? Well, maybe it's a young driver or an experienced driver. And they're in some snow, some ice. They slide off the road and they think to themselves, okay, I learned not to just drop the throttle to dig myself out. I can dig myself down deeper. But maybe they don't have the experience of feathering that gas pedal to find that right RPM. I picture my son. He slid off the road. Hey, there's a drop-off over here to his right. He needs to get back on the road. He's concerned about digging himself in deeper in the snow. So he engages this. He sets it to one mile an hour. The vehicle finds the perfect RPM. It makes the adjustments to the lockers and, this and the is brakes. The, this is the trail control that's under 20 miles an hour. Yep. That's, that's basically a cruise control on the trail. Yep, and it just, you, it, you set the speed you want, just like you with cruise control, and it just finds the perfect setting for the vehicle and eases you out. Now, how many times have we seen in those fail videos that somebody's in a bad situation, they give it too much throttle, and they make it worse, right? I really go, wow, there's a lot of value there. There's also the one pedal, which is something that I think is important to talk about. I didn't fully understand the one pedal. As we were traversing first a rock garden and then the boulders on the actual drive, as soon as you take your foot off the gas and you're up on two wheels, right, your natural tendency is, okay, I got to let off on the gas because I'm right where I need to be and I got to get my foot over the brake right away. As soon as you take your foot off the gas driving in one pedal, it applies the brakes to you and it holds you there. As I'm thinking, okay, get to brake, my brakes are already applied. Wow, So those seconds, there was no sliding back. There was no looseness on this rock it everything was safe it was secure so you'd get to where you need to be you'd let your foot off the gas and hey i've been driving without this technology so i'm getting my foot over the brake as fast as i can and i'm realizing the brakes are already applied there was no slippage there was no back roll i mean so goes away with you know using the handbrake back in the day or you literally using two feet to drive so you can gas brake gas brake there was there, all that is it's it's there but it's faster wow, i mean good. your your left foot if you're using two feet could not get to the binders as fast as the one pedal was it's it's taking the technology and applying it in a non-intrusive way to make you safer. It's doing That's stuff impressive. that, that, that you, is you don't recognize. Joel, that is impressive to think uh, the gas and the brake are connected to one pedal. The minute you, and if you gas, the brake releases. If you, if you take the foot off the accelerator, it. You got to, you got to think that you've got sensors and they're talking at, at like 200 times a second. Sure. The best way to illustrate that is picture a hummingbird at a feeder and those, how fast those wings are moving. 
that's what's going on between all four of your wheels. So going back to the situation, my son slid off the road. He needs to find the perfect RPM to get back up on the road. 200 times a second, a young driver can't think that fast. No. You know, so the car is reacting and optimizing its performance to keep you safe. Yeah, this is now something where I go, I feel confident and comfortable taking my wife, my two kids with me, going and having some weekend fun. Because if and when something happens, we have a vehicle that is equipped to handle all those possible situations. I've now had some training, have better understanding of how everything works. Am I going to go take my personal Broncos through the course? No, I, I wouldn't. Like, there was some scary stuff, man. Like, I just, <laughs> I, you, you know. Now, I, I get it. The body panels are module. You can pop these off for the cost of a good dinner. You can probably replace what you damaged. Sure. That's just not me. At the same time. At the same time. the family out. There's, there's other courses that are, are, you know, overlanding and things like that. This is something that I could really see being something my family getting behind and doing. You're in the car. Technology, your, your phone works, but you're not on your iPads. You're not doing this. There's camaraderie. There's teamwork. Hey, let's go. You're, you're pre-walking the course, okay? We're moving rocks. We're doing things. We're, we're spending time as a family. We're getting back into areas that there aren't a lot of people. You know, it's one of the things we've been doing more activities due to COVID and really finding that we enjoy that family time. You know, I still need to be around people. Like we've kind of had that taken away from us, but getting into some of these remote areas, it's now possible in a vehicle that you can drive there, you know, guys, it was, it was impressive. Off the grid, off the grid. Fantastic. Well, we've got more. We'll have to continue our next episode. This is going to be fantastic. Aaron? There's one thing I was thinking. I mean, every, for everyone knows, too, we are, everyone in this room is either a reservation holder or an order holder for these Broncos. And even sitting here, the, I'm here Monday through Friday with you guys, and I've talked to you guys a lot about Broncos. I'm even thinking about maybe adjusting my reservation a little bit when I finally put in order. Because I'm thinking, when you're talking about sun and sliding off, I've been in situations where I was in a truck and I did a 360 in the snow off the freeway. And it was on the side, needed a tow truck to get out. I'm thinking safety and ability for what these Broncos can do. It's not even us putting ourselves in situations that are dangerous where you can just say, yeah, I can do that. There's other people on the road out with us. If we're just in one of these Broncos and you have, you're going through one of these highways and there's a logging truck and people just not paying attention, who knows, you might have to swerve and you might hit some loose dirt or something on the side, make it in a situation where you have to get out of. And knowing this, going through an off-roadio experience, knowing what you have available in your Bronco and the training, you can get yourself out of some maybe life and death situations. You know, that's that's a great point, Aaron. I, I am fully Ford factory certified the Bronco. I aced my test. No problem. There's textbook knowledge. Then there's real life experience. And the way that this event was done where you got to have hands-on experience, understanding the options, and then go on applying them, it's reinforced the skill. And that's why I said earlier, I may not go to the next event. I want to send my wife and my son because this is preparedness. This is a safety course that's applicable to anything in, in driving life. Also, I came back more confident. And if you can instill confidence in your family by having professional, I mean, world-class instruction. I've been to a lot of drive events with Ford in almost 20 years, right? Typically, they say, hey, here's the car. Here's the whiz-bang cool feature. Go drive it around a parking lot. Yep, there's your ride and drive. No, I spent 12 hours immersed in Broncos. I mean, here's your water hose. Start drinking, pal. You know, (laughs) I mean, so from a consumer standpoint, if they really want to get the most out of their investment, here's an opportunity to go get world-class training, have a blast, do stuff that you probably wouldn't initially feel confident doing in your own Bronco, 
But if you do want to do it, you now know how to do it safely. I would tell people that are big off-roaders, don't miss this opportunity. Take somebody with you. If you want to introduce your grandkid, you want to introduce your spouse into into off-roading, I know with my relationship with my wife and my kids, they go, "Uh uh-huh, honey, Uh uh-huh, dad, I get it. But if somebody else tells them the exact same information, oh, yeah, we should Mm -hmm. do that. So here's an opportunity to really get some great training. And maybe it's not for you, but maybe it's for a loved one. And now you can start to share the outdoors with somebody else. I think it's just a great opportunity, and it's well worth the price of admission. The price of admission is free. It's a mini vacation. Budget for it. Plan it out three months in advance. Get a cheap flight. It's well worth your time. Exactly. Check out broncooffrodeo.com. The location, the pictures, uh, Moab, Nevada, both also Horseshoe Bay, Texas, unbelievable all right well we'll wrap it up today thanks everyone for listening it's the butler live podcast and we're bringing it to you live direct from butler automotive group we can't wait to talk with you about cars trucks and suvs find us butler live at butlerman.com and stay tuned next week thanks joe it's awesome We'll see you next week.